and it sucked. It was horrible because that's who I was. That was my identity. And um, I found out later that I actually was overdiagnosed. And I could have played the whole time. Anyhow, I have this void in my life. And I wanted to fill that void from me having a little boy. So our first little girl uh, named Chloe was born. And um, we were determined to get a little boy. So I, we did IVF. Anybody know about IVF? We did IVF, and there's something called gender selection. Gender selection means that you can pick the healthy embryo that's Oh, I was a boy. Well, there was three embryos, embryos, all three girls. Wow. So she selected the healthiest girl. She's amazing. Her name is Harley. I was born to be a girl dad. All right. Now, I was trying to fill a, a what? A void? Right? Fill that void with my athletic career. But you never know. The little boy could have came out and not been athletic at all. Kind of like mom. Until I said that. She can't catch a ball. Anyways. Um, so anyhow, I had this, it was in my head, I was just ignorant. Right, ladies, you're like, I hear you. What are you going to say? Honestly, as this guy with all this testosterone, I didn't really think that women's sports were like men's sports. I just didn't. Like, they're not, they're not rough. Anyhow, my old basketball coach, who's going to throw bananas at me right now? I know. There's the ending of the story. It turns around. So my basketball coach called me. Uh, from high school and said, we have our high school girls that would love for you to make a mixtape since you're a DJ now. Can you make this mixtape for them? And uh, of course, I said yes. And I uh, said the DJ, uh, sent that song to them. That song you heard, uh, I Believe That We Will Win, that's one of the songs I had, the last song, and they absolutely love it. They love it so much, they inspired me to come actually and speak for them. Typically, I speak for multiple high schools at one time. Well, it was just a small group of these girls. Hey, um, before I go to the locker room, the coach says, just to let you know, they're going to lose by a lot. The coach told me this privately. The team that they're playing, they have made states every single year. They're really good. They'll score whatever they want. I said, all right, coach. You didn't tell them that. And um, so I go into the pregame speech. This is my first time giving a pregame speech. I speak to big groups, not just a you know, team of 15. Talk to these girls, and the big picture that I'm giving them ahead of, ahead of the game was, is that essentially they need to go out there and celebrate every single win. Okay, they need to celebrate every single win. I don't care if it's a layup, if it's one basket made, if you steal the ball, celebrate. Anyhow, the halftime comes, and um, these girls were down 44 to 6. 44 to 6 at halftime. And the coach was like screaming at them. And I'm just like, man, I couldn't take some mean yelling at my daughters like that. You gotta chill it out, buddy. Right? This isn't a boys' basketball team. But then the, the players on the bench were acting the same way to the people that were on the floor, yelling at them. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, they're already losing. Why are you beating them down more? Anyways. We get to the locker room at halftime. I tell the coach, don't worry about it. I'm going to give the halftime speech. By this time, I'm actually in the game. Like, I'm sitting on the bench with them. I'm in the game. And um, <laughs> the coach is out. I'm in. I sit the girls down. They all have their heads down. I said, put your head up. This is the game. It's a game. And you should be having a good time. Lori, I see your, your friends are yelling at you. And I see you just moseying down the court. 
Pick your head up. I think you're going to be the MVP. Pick your head up. You should have fun. Say I am great out loud. I am great. Say it again. Say it. I am great. I am great. And she said it. She believed it. And there was another little girl. Her name was uh, happy Carly or Chloe as well. And um, that little girl, she was the scrappiest one on the team. I said, I want you to foul out the third quarter. Foul out. Then there was another woman by the name of Charlene who just replaced the point guard. And she was the new point guard, but she wasn't doing that good. I said, we need you. I said, this is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be sad. Who wants to have fun? I said, what gets you guys up the most? And they said, music. I said, me too. I said, what song do you listen to? They said, Super Grimmer. Anybody know Super Grimmer? <laughs> now, the song has a lot of words you shouldn't be saying in high school. They say oh, anyways. wow. So I played the music on my Google box. I played it loud for them. And before you know it, they were literally jumping up and down in the locker room, down 44 to 6. And they were singing the song loud. We get back out to the court. The long story short is they ended up being down by four points total in the quarter, in the third quarter, and they tied the overall second half. Oh. <laughs> it was that moment I was driving away listening to that song on my phone, and I said, wow, they inspired me. This is, I have goosebumps. They inspired me just as much as I was supposed to inspire them. And I have two little girls at home, a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. And now, we're going to go and get them some basketball, some soccer, and middle sports are just as good as guys sports. Yeah! So anyways, that's a quick sports story for you, but you know, we have an amazing person that is in sports today. He's a pro athlete. I got the pleasure of hanging out with Wally Green the past two nights. We've had a lot of fun. Now I remember the first, but let me tell you a little bit about him. So first off, he is a celebrity. He is a pro athlete. He's an entrepreneur, a filmmaker, a TEDx speaker, and North Korea diplomacy maker, inspiring motivator, and so much more. He lives in New York City, and where he's originally uh, raised at was Marlboro Housing Projects in Brooklyn, New York. His Instagram is Wally Green NYC, and he's in the business of inspiring and motivating people through his life stories. Something that nobody would know about Wally. There's one minute before every talk. I think that's about right now. And every time he plays a match where he becomes a little nervous, but when it's game time, it is time to focus. His biggest claim to fame is he created his own American history by doing his diplomacy for world peace in North Korea. He said, Wally, what is your biggest fear? He said, I fear nothing. Oh. <laughs> How about that? Woo! <laughs> wow. So, you all know I love my walk-on songs and I love to bring the energy up. So what we're going to do for Wally is this. Now, you know, since he's a professional athlete, I want to make it so he feels like this. a professional athlete. Okay. YouTube. What we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing we did the last time, but it's going to be a blackout in here. Pull out your phones, pull them out, pull the phones out, and I want you to put the flashlight on. The difference this time is I want you to put those I'm phones I'm and face them to the back of the room, 
and I want you to wave him back and forth like this, okay? Back and forth when he comes down here, back and forth. Now, if you get hit with a little round of applause, let's give him a round of applause right here.
That was my real family. But the thing was, the reason why they were my family, why they liked me, why they had my back, was because I could pick up my gun for them. It wasn't because they really liked me. I didn't learn that until later on. The second outlet was sports, right? And this is very funny because uh, I own a couple of businesses and people say, when did you start to be an entrepreneur? This is the best question I get. When did you, when did you have that thing in your head where you want to be an entrepreneur? I told them, in school. Because listen to this. In order for you, so my learning was sports, right? Sports is what numbed me to going home. So I would practice in the morning, practice, go to school, practice in the afternoon. I'd be so numb to the craziness, to the chokings, to the beatings, to the yellings, that I wouldn't even care anymore. So I needed the sports. I needed this sport life. I needed it. Now, if you go to school and you play sports, what's the most important thing? Grades. <laughs> Grades are the most important thing. So I devised a plan that I need these sports. How am I going to keep my grades up when I hardly go to school? Guess what I did? I became an entrepreneur real fast. I delegated. De de listen, you, you're going to take my math notes. You, you're going to do science. You, you're going to do biology. And I'm going to pay you. I'm not going to pay you with money. I'm going to pay you with protection. Right? I want your back. Anyone messes with you, and there is no no answer. That's entrepreneurship 101. Started in high school. Started in high school. And that's how I was able to stay in sports. That's how I was able to play sports. And that kind of love, right? But it wasn't enough. And I got into a lot of trouble. I'm going to tell you guys a small story, which is very deep. It's very deep to me. It's hard for me to tell this story. Um, but I think this is the right place to tell this story. Every story you tell can and will help someone else. I'll say it again. Every single story you tell can and will help someone else. You never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. You never know. Right? If you keep your stories to yourself, that's selfish. So we need to share our stories and tell people because you never know whose life you may say. You never know who you might give just one more hour to think about whether or not they're going to take their lives. So we need to tell our story. So when I was 14 years old, I got caught with a loaded weapon in school. Oh. And um, the judge really wanted to come hard down on me because I had a lot of pride, a lot of problems. He wanted to give me 10 years in school. And my mom said, listen, please don't send my son to jail because if you send a kid at 14 years old to jail for 10 years, his life is ruined. Right? That's the problem with our system today. And so the judge was like, why? And my mom said, guess what? He's got good grades. He's got good grades. He's a smart kid. They didn't know that I had a little bit of right? So the judge agreed. And what they didn't say was, they sent me to Africa. They sent me two years to a country I knew nothing about, to live with people I knew nothing about. And in this country, I experienced racism. People like racism, what could you racism in Africa? Because I wasn't a real black. So now I got away from where I wasn't accepted to somewhere else where I was supposed to be accepted and I wasn't a real black. They called me the kid who eats butter. 
What do you mean by it? But they were trying to say that I was soft. And I had to prove that I wasn't soft. So I did a lot of fighting. A lot of trying to get the same respect I was trying to get before I went there. Eventually I joined this crazy uh, military thing called Man of War, where they made you just stay here and drop down. Crazy stuff. Finally got respect. It was much stronger. I remember what I said. Every kid in the world dreams about what? Protecting his mom. Now I felt strong. I didn't protect my mom. I can do it. In my mind, this is what I dream about. I can do it. I go back to America. And one day, my stepfather is standing over here. I'm sitting down. My stepfather grabs my mom. I turn around and I look at him. I says, Nothing. I just look. And my stepfather says, If you look over here one more time, you're going to get the same thing. Guess what happened that day? I exploded. Is it comes a time in people's lives when you can't take any more, and that's it. And I exploded. I ran out the house, got a gun, came back home, put it to my stepfather's head, and said, I'm going to end your life today. Shaking. My mom picked up the phone, called the police, and my mom said, You guys need to hurry. My son is trying to kill my husband. Now, every time I tell this story, it hurts deeply. The right thing to say is, come, maybe my son's trying to kill my husband for beating the hell out of me, right? But no, my son's trying to kill my husband. The ultimate betrayal that any kid can have in his life. I started shaking, the gun to my mom's head, and I said, I'm gonna kill the both of you today. I'm gonna end both of your lives. I'm shaking, crying. Emotions going through, time's passing, and the police are coming. And something came to my shoulder. You can say divine intervention, God, whatever you believe in, came on my shoulder, sat there, and said, Hey, if you do this today, if you do this very thing today, every single thing that your stepfather said is going to happen right here, right now. And as I mentioned before, I was always a smart kid. I must have been a smart kid to be having all these guys do my work. And I made the decision to walk away. I said, you guys deserve each other. I was crying. And I walked away. Made a very important decision in my life. You know, the decisions that we make in our lives will affect us forever. They don't go away. So I made that decision. I was, no, I did something good. I walked away, but at the same time I became homeless. I lived in the streets. Still trying to find my way, still trying to find who I was, still trying to find people to acknowledge that I was a human. Then, somehow, I found this crazy sport, sport that I hate, ping pong. Listen, no one in the projects plays ping pong. <laughs> no one. They don't know that. And, you know, I hated the sport in high school. In high school, I used to play football, I played basketball, I played volleyball for the rest of the team, played tennis, and I would walk by the country and see kids playing. Playing and I just had paddle in my pocket. They're like, and uh, I would say, what is this stupid sport? This sport found me in the pool hall where someone told me, go check out the sport. It's a great sport. And I said, there's no way there's a place where people play this sport. The athlete in me wanted to check it out. 
So I went to this club where they sent me. And uh, when I walked into the club, there was a pool hall, and then happy, we were playing. Nah, 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 nah. But the thing that interested me were, there were people who looked like me. I thought Ping Pong was for Asians. I mean, when you think about Ping and it's not being racist, the first thing we think about Ping Pong, China is the best country in the world by far, like this. And for me, Ping Pong was an easy sport. Black people did not play Ping Pong. My people didn't play Ping Pong. But when I walked in, everyone who was playing was black. And I was like, oh my god, what is this? Oh. It was like in the Twilight Zone. Uh, this is crazy. And, and I, I just got so fascinated, so I wanted to play. I wanted to play ping pong. Eventually, I found a guy, maybe a Roman angel, who came to me one day and says, Hey, do you have a partner? I said, No. He says, Listen, I'll pay you $20 if you hit with me. Whoa, $20? Yeah, $20? I was freaking living in the streets, bro. $20? That was lunch? That was even dinner if you stretched it. So I played with this guy. I played with him two times a week. He gave me the money. We started talking. I was telling him about my life. And for him, it was like TV. The reason it was like TV, if you don't know anyone who's lived his life or you've never been around it, it is very difficult to understand. It is difficult to understand in this country why a 13-year-old has six guns. It's difficult. But it's a fact and it's real because I was that kid. So I played with this guy. I had these talks. One day I go to the club, 22 caliber falls out of my bag. He sees it, he looks at me, I look at him, I'm like, I'm ghost. Because I wasn't going to stay there. I don't know if I can call the police. First thing I thought, $20, gone. The guy calls me, says, hey, wow, are we still playing? And he goes, playing? Wow, what? Okay. I go play with this guy. He says, listen, I want to invite you to my home. Which is kind of strange, right? It just so dumb off my bag. Okay, I go to his home, I meet his family. Wow, people eat together? Oh my God, people sit down at the same table, they pass the food around, they say thank you, thank you for thank you. Whoa, wow, this was incredible. He was trying to give me a sense of what real family was. Then he says to me, I really want to help you. How are you going to do that? I know you like ping pong, and I'm going to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. <laughs> yes, yes. So this stranger, which shows you in this world, there are still people who are willing to help you because they want to help you, not because they expect something from you. This person came for me to go to Germany for six months to learn ping pong. I went to Germany, learned ping pong, struggled a lot, because when I was there, people were like, oh my God, you're from New York City, you're amazing, ah! No, get the hell away from me, bro, back up. Right? Because if you're doing it, that means you want something. You know, the little thing came on my shoulder, remember that little thing? I said, hey, bro, what are you doing? You're not in America, you're not being abused, you're not being abused as a stepfather, you are outside of the country, what the hell is wrong with you? People are trying to make friends with you, they generally like you because they like you, and you need to get your head out of your ass and change your mindset. So I did that. I did that. So I don't like the sport. Traveled all over the world playing the sport that I loved. Playing from country to country to country to country. Doing so many great things with this sport. Becoming popular. Black dude, yellow hair, Dennis Rodman, King Kong, whatever you want to say. And um, one year, I had just got off the Steve Harvey show. Right? I love Steve 
the property. I love charities. I love kids. Anything charities are going to do. And they saw my story in the TV shows, and they called me saying, hey, we need you in Chicago the next day. So I did this new property show. It was super amazing. It was like, just, you know, it was really touching. And uh, it made me think about things that I can do, things that I can do that are bigger than myself. Right? Because yes, we all want to do things that are good for us, which is true. But more importantly, my question to you is, what are you doing for others? Right? So, I was thinking, what can I do big this year? What can I do big? So I'm looking through all the tournaments, China, Japan, uh, Brazil, Germany, Pyongyang. Whoa, whoa, what? Pyongyang? Pyongyang? Whoa, 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 whoa. Pyongyang? That's North Korea. Like Dennis Rodman just came back from Lobo Lobo, there's no way to Pyongyang. So I called the US team and said, hey, listen, I want to go to Pyongyang. They said, what? Why? Because I want to go. I'm going to ask you to sign me up. I'm going to do it. I'll give you a little piece of American history. 1971, President Richard Nixon, America established relations with China through sport. It's called the ping pong diplomacy. If you've ever seen Forrest Gump, that is exactly what they're talking about. And I thought, I can do my own diplomacy to North Korea. Isn't that crazy? A kid from the projects talking about, yeah, I'm gonna go to North Korea and do a diplomacy for world peace. It is madness, it makes no sense. But you know what, that's what my stepfather would say. That's exactly what my stepfather would say. That's exactly what every single person in this world told me. And I contacted everyone who said, no, you can't do that. One person can't make a difference. One person can't do this. No, you can't do that, it's stupid. You're gonna go with it or nothing. I say, you know what, if you guys don't wanna do it, I'll do it by myself. I went to North Korea. I went to North Korea. Pretty crazy. And um, I went there with no plan. This is the best thing. How do you do a diplomacy for world peace? Can anyone give the answer? No one has the answer to this question. I should have told you. I went to North Korea and had no plan, but I believe in manifestation. If you want something strong enough, you're very passionate about it, it will come to you. If you believe in yourself and you believe in it, it will come. I got to play against North Korea. So lucky. I played against North Korea, playing a match. Every time he made a point, they would make a lot of noise. Every time they would point, these people hated me. They were taught that I was the devil, I should be dead. Americans are evil. There are only North Koreans in North Korea, 5,000 fans watching this. Let me tell you something. There was a punk rock that saw set because they were clapping for him. They were clapping against me. I looked up to all the fans. I stopped, I looked up. And I wanted to say, you pieces of blood, you know. But I had to remember my purpose while I was there. I looked up, and I just smiled. Let me tell you something. You'll never believe this. A smile will take you a long way. A smile. Something so simple as a smile. When I smile, some of the audience members smile. Wow. I did it again. I smiled, they smiled. Whoa, wait a minute, this is crazy. Screw this match. I'm connected through smile, through showing love. You play the match, I lose the match, I lose. Now I go to shake my opponent's hand, this is the best part. I go shake my opponent's hand. He doesn't want to shake my hand, but you have to go to sport. So he goes like this. When you don't want to shake someone's hand, your hand comes out, your body stays back. But when you do, you go in. I grab this North Korean guy. 
pulled him in and gave him the biggest bear hug in his life. In his life. He will never forget that. Let me close up with this. People say one person cannot make a difference in the world. And I will tell you something very interesting. It's not your job to change the world. I'll say it one more time. It's not your job to change the world. It's your job to plant the seeds that will hopefully change the world. Right? One more time. It is our job to plant the seeds that will hopefully change the world. And those are the things that I live by. Those are the things that keep me inspired. Those are the things that motivate me. And I truly, with all my heart, hope that they motivate and inspire you as well. Thank you very much.